Welcome to We Have This Hope. My name is Emily Curzon. This is a podcast about the study of scripture, the art of remembering, and the practice of telling. On the show, we'll explore the ways God calls his people to remember by studying scripture together, and we'll hear individual stories of hope anchored in the beautiful and ancient practice of remembering. I'm so glad you're here. So last February, my friend and Pastor John asked if I would be willing to teach at my church's Ash Wednesday service. And if you listen to the introductory episode, I shared that I knew that I had to say yes. Essentially, I was totally terrified to do it, but also knew that this was the natural next step in God leading me to this podcast and to the work that he's called me to do. So I said yes, and with... um, eyes and ears and hands wide open, um, I jumped into teaching from a stage like I never have before. Um, But what was simple for me was I knew exactly what I was going to talk about. I had this word that had been going through my brain nonstop. It was everywhere I looked. I'd see it in an advertisement. I'd hear it in a song. I liken it to when you get a new car and you suddenly realize that everybody else has that car. You're like, whoa, where are all the gray Honda Odysseys like a month ago? That's what this word was for me. And the word I'm talking about today is remember. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus is hanging on the cross. It's the scene of the crucifixion. And in verse 39, it says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And here's where it comes. 42, verse 42, the criminal says, Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What I'd like to do is summarize some of what I taught that day, because really, it's the impetus for everything I'm doing now. It was sort of a launching moment for me, and so I think it will help frame out the flow of the podcast and why episodes are going to center on what I'm calling guided remembering. So, Without further ado, I'm going to talk about the points from that message. We're going to use that scripture as our launching pad, and we're going to ask God to remember us. So I want to summarize three things that I've learned about remembering. The first thing is we are forgetful, and it's a problem. So I asked the question, how many of you listening could recall what you had for dinner a week ago? Or have you ever lost your car in a parking garage? Have you ever forgotten to call a friend on their birthday? Forgetting seems to actually come so naturally to us that I did some research and neuroscientists are saying that forgetting is the new overlooked field of psychology, which I find a little ironic. Get it? We've forgotten to study forgetting. Makes sense. There's a scientist at the University of Cambridge, Michael Anderson, who's quoted saying, every species that has a memory forgets, full stop, without exception, it doesn't matter how simple the organism is, 
If it can acquire lessons of experience, the lessons can be lost. We have three kiddos. I have a seven-year-old daughter and four-year-old twins. And the story I shared thinking about forgetfulness comes from when I was actually in labor with my twins. So I said any woman who's ever experienced the pain of labor and then still wants to have more children clearly knows the power of forgetting. So it was an ordinary Monday, April 23rd, 2018 to be exact, and it was a normal Monday for me except for the fact that I was about 37 weeks pregnant with our boy-girl twins. And I took our daughter Ella to ballet, I had lunch with a friend, we came home, we played, we did some normal life things, and all the while there was this undercurrent for me during the day of like back pain. I was like, I just like don't feel very good. So I turned on a little Doc McStuffin so that I could like lay on my side on the couch. And it really didn't go away, but I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'm just, I'm 37 weeks pregnant with twins. So I decided that Ella needed a haircut, obviously. And I drove south, very far south from my house to get Ella a haircut. And then I went and got in an elementary school pickup line to get my nephew Jackson from school. And if you've ever been in an elementary school pickup line, you know that this is a place of deep reflection because you are trapped. And the line this day was was bad. We were in the back, okay? We were in the back. You let the little ones out of the car seat and you just pray that you don't run out of snacks. But during this time while I'm sitting there, I decided that, you know, actually maybe I should like pay attention to this pain. And I started realizing that it was coming like, every 30 seconds and it would last about a minute and then it would come again and I thought "Ooh, well huh I better call the doctor it's almost five o'clock so I called the doctor from the pickup line and I will never forget the super profound words that his nurse said she said well if you're having contractions you should go to the hospital It was a lightning bolt moment for me. I realized in that moment that the way I felt was identical to the way I had felt when labor started with our first child. And in fact, the nurse was right because our twins were born three hours later. That's right. Three hours later, I really dodged an elementary school pickup line bullet. It's easy to laugh about now. Uh, It's especially easy to laugh about because the twins are here and they're thriving and they're healthy and they really were back then also. But when I zoom out on what happened that day, it's really not that dissimilar to what we do all of the time. I was not paying attention. I missed all the signs of what was going on because I was so focused on my own agenda, my own controlling agenda for the day. I forgot what it was like to be in labor, even though I had done it before. And I think we can all relate because the problem, this problem of forgetting has actually been going on since creation. In fact, the Israelites, God's people, really perfected it throughout the Old Testament. And we can actually see that it is a problem in Scripture because of all the times God calls his people to do the opposite of forget. He calls his people to remember. So I want to walk through some of those references. Think about Moses. When he led the people out of Egypt and into freedom, 
almost immediately, they started complaining, saying, you know, it might just be better if we went back. They had literally just been freed from 400 years of slavery, and already they were thinking it might be better to go back. They had already forgotten what it was like to be a slave. God's response was, remember. In Deuteronomy 5, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Later, when he gave them the Ten Commandments, he told them to remember the Sabbath. We can unpack the meaning of Sabbath another time, and and frankly, we should, but essentially, God told them to remember to rest. Remember that you were created. Remember, there is a limit to what you can do. Isaiah the prophet later corrected the people when they had made idols out of all sorts of things, and then in chapter 44 of Isaiah, in no subtle way, he, he says that what they're doing is dangerous and foolish. And he ends with this. Remember these things, O Jacob, for you are my servant. I made you. You are my servant, O Israel. I will not forget you. The problem of forgetting extends to the New Testament believers as well. At the Last Supper, remember Jesus tells his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. In essence, eat this meal and remember my broken and bleeding body while you do it. Remember what I've done for you. This is my favorite one. When the angel spoke to Mary Magdalene and the other women at the empty tomb, we're all familiar with what he said. He said, he's not here. He's risen. But we always stop there in the verse. We stop short because the very next thing the angel says is remember. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? And then later it says, then they remembered his words. I think that's really powerful. They had already forgotten that Jesus, who was just with them three days ago, had told them that this was going to happen. So we see really clearly that forgetting is a problem. But why? Why is it such a big deal that scripture makes such a point to tell us to remember? And I, I think I have two reasons for that. First, because forgetting is the low-hanging fruit of the enemy. This is one of my all-time favorite quotes, and it comes from John Tyson, who is a pastor at Church of the City, New York. Um, I just love his work and the teaching at that church, and he said this about um, forgetting. The enemy doesn't need you to deny God. He needs you to forget him. He wants you to forget the grace of God and remember your sins. The second reason forgetting is a problem is that forgetting is always the precursor to idolatry. This is why the first correction that Isaiah gave the people when they made idols was to remember. It's true for the Israelites. It's true for us. Think of all the things that we make idols of in our modern culture. What do you struggle with? Do we make idols of our influence, our talent, our resources, our pleasures, These things always come to power in our hearts and in our minds on the heels of forgetting who God is and what he has done. We are not dissimilar from the Israelites. How quickly and easily we forget what it's like to be a slave. The second point I want to make is that remembering connects us to God, deepens our faith, and restores our hope. There are many ways to remember, and I'm going to walk through three practical ways to do that. But before I do, I want to say that 
I think that remembering, this practice of remembering can become for us, the people of God, a habit or a discipline that we liken to prayer, worship, the reading of scripture. I think it's clear to me that God wants us to remember, that remembering is for our good, that remembering anchors us to him. So here are some ways to do that. The first way to make remembering a discipline is to write it down. I tell the story that almost a year ago, although it's been a little bit more than a year now, I got my first tattoo. And I never really considered myself a tattoo person, but that day and that gesture was significant to me because it was the fifth anniversary of my sister's death. Lauren, my big sister, who I will talk about on this podcast a lot, she's a huge part of my story. She was my best friend. And her her death was without a doubt the hardest thing I have ever walked through. Grief makes you do things you never considered before because you're just navigating new terrain and you want to forget and you desperately want to remember. That's why you do things like get a tattoo. Anyway, in the days immediately following Lauren's death, I was sitting at my mother-in-law's kitchen table and I just had this overwhelming sense that I needed to write things down. I just knew within me that everything that was happening in that week was somehow sacred. And I was so depleted, so, so depleted that if I didn't write it down, I I knew I wouldn't remember. I see now that that was the grace of God. That was the Holy Spirit um, bringing to my mind something to do that of my own power, I never would have thought to do. And I remember I looked at my mother-in-law and said, I need paper. And she just tore out paper from a journal and brought it over to me. And I started making a list, writing down all these things that were happening. The year following is a little bit of a blur. Um, If you've ever walked through traumatic grief, you know that um, time is your friend. Um, But the first time I looked at that list, almost a year later, I just wept. I wept. Because I had, one, forgotten all the things that were on the list. And when I read it, my list was filled with ways God had moved in the details of my suffering. My list forced me to remember that God had been with me and that he loved me. And in remembering, in a season when I was very, very disconnected from him, remembering connected me to him. It brought him back to my mind. It helped me remember what he had done. The second thing you can do to make remembering a discipline is to say it out loud, to tell our story. Is there anything more vulnerable than telling your story? I'm going to submit that it's not because I'm doing that now. I think I'll add that There's almost nothing more vulnerable than putting content out in the world, your thoughts, your feelings, your words, your faith, your face. But I think there's actually a call in scripture for us to say out loud what God has done. I think it deepens our faith because it's one thing to know in your heart and it's another thing to put it out there for people to digest. In scripture, we see that the call to tell is everywhere. The Psalms in particular is actually filled with it. 
Psalm 66, 16, the psalmist says, come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Makes me think of a Dave Crowder song, which shows my age, but come and listen, come and listen to what he has done. There, I sang on a podcast. Yikes. (laughs) In Mark 5, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man by sending the demons into a nearby herd of pigs who then run into a lake and drown. It's a It's actually like a super bizarre story, but it's so cool. And in the end, when the healed man asks to go with Jesus, Jesus actually says no. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. In other words, go and tell. How many of you listening have ever had your affections for God stirred by hearing someone's story? Has their story deepened your faith as it reminded you of God's sovereignty and provision? We've got to say it out loud. We've got to tell our friends. We've got to tell our children. We have to remind people that God is at work and God loves them. The final thing remembering does is restore our hope. Now, when Lauren died, I'd actually been walking with God very closely Um, I spent the first year after she died, though, with not a whole lot to say to him. I had been able to lean on my memory of him when she first died, but as the year went on, as the dust settled, I was really struggling. I didn't have any new content for him, and I really, frankly, I was not interested in his. I remember telling um, this group of women that I met with regularly who are like my inner circle, my dearest friends, I remember telling them through tears that if God was going to do anything with me, he could just do it because I wasn't going to make the first move. I'd forgotten who he was, and my grief kept me from remembering. As I thought about remembering in light of my grief— I realized that my friends did a really important thing for me because, see, when my ability to remember the things of God had grown faint, I was rich in friends who reminded me. They reminded me. I couldn't remember his goodness. My hope was waning, and they helped me remember. They stood in. Makes me think of in Luke 5 when the paralyzed man can't get to Jesus, and so his friends just tear the roof open and they lower him down to the feet of Jesus. That's what my friends did. The man in Luke 5 was fully healed. Now, I'm not. And maybe you're not either. Maybe you're listening to this, and you're thinking about an experience with grief or suffering that you've had, and you think, man, must be nice. Maybe like me, there are days and anniversaries and seasons that you'd have no hope if it were not for the people reminding you that this is not the end. Church, people of God, let's be people who remind each other of who God is and what he's done. The final and most important thing I want you to hear, if you're still listening, is that when our remembering fails, because it will, God remembers us. It's not all on us. Great news. In spite of our best efforts, we will probably forget. 
we'll have seasons in our life, whether by our own choices or by our circumstances or just the brokenness of the world, it will be hard to remember the goodness of God. In fact, if we live long enough, our physical bodies may make it impossible to remember. But the sweet, sweet news is that when our remembering fails, God remembers us. Scripture shows us time and time again that when God remembers us, he's filled with mercy and compassion and concern. When God remembers us, he takes action on our behalf. When God remembers us, he forgets our sins. In Psalm 106, verse 45, it says, But he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love, he relented. Jeremiah talks about, says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. It brings me back to the passage that started all of this. It's the criminal on the cross next to Jesus. When he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, we see a picture of Jesus in the most literal way being mindful of us in his death. He's hanging on the cross. He's breathing his last breath. And what does Jesus do? He remembers. He says to the criminal, he says, today you will be in with me in paradise. When Jesus remembers, he forgets our sins and he saves us. So if you're still listening, what do you do with all of this? How can you make remembering a part of your life? Your life. Maybe you carve out some time and write down or journal how God has been good to you. Maybe you ask a safe friend to get coffee and you practice saying out loud what God has done. Maybe you ask them to share with you what God has done and they can remind you of his goodness if you can't think of it on your own. And who else in your life right now needs to be reminded? Who do you need to send a card to? Who do you need to text? Whose porch can you show up on? Remember that anniversary for them. Be the people who remind each other, who help each other remember. Thanks for making it this far. Thanks for listening to me as I walk through this message that I delivered months ago, but really a message that I'm still delivering, a message that God is still working out in me, and it's a message about remembering. That's why I've built a podcast around it. I want to help people study the Word of God, and I want to bring stories of remembering to the people, the people who need to hear it, the people who need to be reminded. I think our stories are beautiful. They're how God is working His kingdom out here on earth, and we all need to be reminded. So thank you for making it this far. I hope that you'll continue to tune in as we move forward in the podcast. I'm going to start rolling out a little bit of scripture study and hopefully get some first interviews out here to you very soon, starting with, drumroll please, the one and only Dustin Curzon, my husband. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.